Hey, this is David Naughton, and you're listening to WithoutYourHead.com. station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neal. That would make me terrible, Troy. We're joined by the creator of Wolf Cop. We have Lowell Dean here. It's very good to have you here. Welcome. Uh, happy to be here. Thanks, guys. And another Wolf Cop as well, which I see behind you. Yes, the sequel. Can't forget that one. Yeah. It's a very creative name for the sequel. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's something all right, but uh, it's funny, so we had to go with it. Yeah, no, I love it. So, uh, like, how long, how long was Wolf Cop in like the works, or at least in your mind, before you started to actually film it? Actually, of, of like anything I've ever developed, it was weirdly the fastest from idea to execution. Um, I think I had the idea probably in like 2011, uh, and by 2013 we were shooting it. So, um, I wish most projects move that fast, but no, it was, it was an anomaly. And uh, basically it was my life for like five years straight was doing this, the, the movie and then the sequel. Yeah. Was there, was there anything that inspired Wolf Cop? Uh, a ton of stuff, you know, I mean, I think it's kind of a grab bag of uh, as a Canadian independent filmmaker, you're like, I may only get to make one movie in my life. So I, uh, I kind of just put in everything I love about movies in general, you know, uh, obviously, heavily influenced by things like uh, Sam Raimi's films and Evil Dead and all that. But um, but I also grew up loving Teen Wolf and Robocop. So it, it was a very obvious organic smashing together of like where I'm from, which is Saskatchewan and uh, the life and the people there. And then also just like larger than life superheroes and then uh, a little bit of weird uh, sex and ultraviolence. So it's all of that together. 
Yeah. And you said they were both uh, like five years of your life. And I know the first movie ends with, you know, Wolf Cop 2 coming in you know, 2015. Was Did you know then like you were going to make it or was that hopeful thinking or? Uh, I, I didn't know anything. I mean, the producers were like pretty adamant about doing a sequel, which of course, who wouldn't want to do that? So their enthusiasm right. to sequel obviously made me very excited and, uh, it took a little bit longer than I expected to get the second one off the ground, but, um, but no, like I, I feel like their belief that the idea was good and people would respond to the film, uh, made me excited. And, um, I was happy to do one, but like we did pitch it as like a franchise. We did think there was more, but I guess, I guess naively didn't think there would be more. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's nice to always think that, but at the same time, you want to stay like you know grounded in case it doesn't go somewhere. You don't want to be disappointed, just in case. Yeah, you get enough disappointment working in film in general. Like, <laughs> I bet. I bet that's true. Yeah. So, what was right about Leo for Wolf Cop? Because I, I mean, it's hard to think of someone else as Wolf Cop. He looks like a wolf, actually. That's exactly it. <laughs> he is Wolf Cop. I mean, honestly, um, I, I've told the story before, but I did a music video a few years before. Uh, called Henry for a band called Rara out of Saskatchewan. And um, the idea I had, it was like a very no budget music video, but they're like, what would you do? And I pitched a werewolf trying to pick up a woman at a bar and they were like, sure, let's go with that. And um, Emerson Ziffel, the effects artist, uh, he, he was going to make someone into a werewolf. And I forget why we went with Leo, but um, he was so good at the makeup effects. Like, it's a really hard thing to do. I don't know if you've ever like dabbled in it yourself, but I've been his guinea pig a couple of times and it's horrible. It's not fun. It's painful. You're finding bits of things in your ears like the next day, but something about Leo, not only was he cool with Emerson working on him for hours at a time, he was so intense when he was the werewolf. He like caused a little bit of property damage and no, because it was just so awesome to watch him like run around uh, <laughs> smashing things. So I think in the moment of making that music video, I was like, my brain was already like, oh man, I need more of this guy like this. Yeah. Had he done it? Was that the first time he did a lot of makeup? I I don't know, honestly. I think so, but I, I don't know for sure. Yeah. Was it the same uh, makeup guy who worked on Wolf Cup? Oh yeah. Emerson Ziffel is like the effects artist I've worked with on pretty much everything since I've been doing short films. And I, I would be hesitant to do anything without him. How close was uh was the the wolf the werewolf and, and the music video to what Wolf Cop looked like? Really different, actually. Like uh, that was one of the cool things because um, the music video was almost like free research and discovery for what worked and what didn't. And uh, he looked way more like a very mature teen wolf. You know, it was like that kind of like long shaggy mane, and uh, that's what I wanted at the time because again, I love Teen Wolf, but. After doing that and then seeing Leo's personality and the makeup and then, you know, talking about some other ideas and what the movie would be versus the video, it became, uh, it just became a whole other thing. And, uh, you know, obviously still in the idea of the werewolf world, but Emerson had a lot he wanted to bring to the table and influences he wanted to work on. So, yeah, it was, it was like a long, weirdly long process with a few extra examples of Leo having to do it. And uh, but we got there. Uh, Craig Lindbergh, a makeup artist in the chat, he wants to know um, if the if the design of the wolf was based on any other werewolves. I don't think specifically, not for me. Um, Emerson would have to speak to 
if there were film examples that he referenced. I know we both liked a lot about the look of the Benicio del Toro Universal Wolfman. Uh, so there was parts of that. But um, no, for me, like, there was no one specific werewolf in film. I knew I wanted the energy of Teen Wolf and the old Universal Wolfman, but um, no, at the time, there wasn't a lot of really good men in suit werewolves, right? Yeah. Yeah, it seems, uh, honestly, in the last few years, that's something that's come back as, uh, you know, practical effects, monster movies. Yes, yeah, thankfully. It's so good, you know? Like, I, I love VFX, and I think they can do so much, but at the lower budget level where I usually live, it, I would so much rather have a basis of practical effects and then kind of like enhance it a little. Yeah. I always think like, even like kind of bad practical effects has like a charm to it where bad CGI is just bad and not, not even uh, not fun for me. I know some people like that kind of stuff. But. I'm, I'm glad you say that. Cause there's for sure things in uh, you know, all the films I've done that I cringe a little when there's like a little thing that's not perfect, but I feel the same way. I'm like, even when practical effects are a little off, it's kind of charming, you know? Yeah. Uh, we'll go back to Wolf Cop, but is there any, is, are there any monster movies that are that, in that kind of vein that might not be the greatest, but that you really like? Mm, I mean, to me, they're all kind of great. Uh, it's hard to like pick and choose in terms of like effects being bad, but like, I think, I think if you like, like the movie, you really overlook all that anyway. And it's just kind of all part yeah, of it. It's like, it's like the effects in Beetlejuice, the weird claymation stuff or right. like rumors or, uh, things like that there or the original gremlins there there is there are those shots where you're like okay you're pushing the the boundaries of what you can do but that's why it's great i think i think it's when you just do what you're capable of i think it gets boring i would rather watch a movie where they're like we don't know if this shot will work and if it doesn't we'll just make it really quick yeah and i'm always a fan when stop motion pops up because it's kind of like a you know it's definitely a thing in the past so it's very it's out of, it's really out of place but it, it's very fun for me I agree. I love the Kambaska case. It's very, it's completely different than Belial and the rest of the movie, but he's, he's like claymation for a little bit. It's, it's odd. I agree. Totally agree. Uh, since you mentioned, you know, uh, Canada, uh, the second I watched a movie, I've seen it before, but I watched it again for the interview. And uh, when Gitch comes up a several times, I was like, I don't know what this word is. So I <laughs> it up and uh, uh, do you get that question a lot? Or did, is that something that you knew other people might not know what it means? No, I have no clue. I am from Canada, so I assume everyone knows Gitch. And when people talked about it after, like, what is that? That just became another fun thing that we're like, oh, okay. I guess uh, this is a thing we take for granted that uh, we uh, people would call it Gitch or Gitchies. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I assume, like, from the movie, it must have been underwear. But I was like, I have no idea what this actually means. And That's then funny, we really went overboard. Yeah, in the sequel, we went a little bit maybe overboard with explaining it and showing it, and uh, but that's what that's what you do in a sequel, right? Right. So uh, Aiden is the chief is perfect, and I don't want to say he he's like a chief from a real movie because Wolf Cop's a real movie, but like from like a real <laughs> dramatic film, which really uh, makes him perfect for the movie. I agree. Aiden Devine is a is an awesome actor, and I feel like we cast him late in the game. Like it was like Wolf Cop one happened really fast, so there were people being cast literally like the day we were beginning shooting. And so we didn't have a ton of prep time, but I had, he had done some other films and I think he was in another film in Saskatchewan earlier. Uh, and I remembered seeing him and thinking this guy's legit. And, uh, and obviously he's in like other films. So um, I knew he'd be good, but the weird thing with Wolf Cop is 
so many different actors from different backgrounds trying to make them all fit in this weird tone of like kind of absurd but also kind of serious and mm-hmm. uh guys like Aiden just legitimized it yeah and he plays it you know totally deadpan and serious which is for me even funnier so. I agree so you said you you know you did uh some music videos is that how uh, the bands who did the different music involved in Wolf Cup no, uh, the band actually, like, one of the coolest discoveries was the, the band Shooting uh, Guns, which is actually a Saskatoon uh, band. And so they're from Saskatchewan, and they weren't on my radar, but um, Jay Jolly, the executive producer of Wolf Cop, he actually, he, it was really important for him to, like, keep the first film feeling very Saskatchewan in, in the people that worked on it. So, um he, I don't know if it was while we were shooting or after, but he was like researching and listening to music and he's a, a big music guy. And he, he pulled in shooting guns and the second, you know, we kind of put it against picture. We're like, well, this feels really perfect. You know, I really wanted like a synthy eighties vibe. Uh, so I was a little hesitant at first cause there's such like heavy doom rock and, uh, but they also weaved in synth, which made them all the more powerful. I thought, and, I don't know. I, I just think they're, I couldn't imagine doing Wolf Cop without them at this point. Uh, did they also do the closing rap in the, in the uh, credits or is that someone different? That's someone different. That's actually another Saskatoon artist. It's, it's a rapper named uh, Factor and uh, he, he's good friends with uh, Hugh Patterson, one of the producers. And that was one of Hugh's big, big uh, contributions and pushes for the first film was, I, I don't know if it was, early in production, but I jokingly said like every good movie ends with a rap song. And I didn't think anything about it because then we went and made the movie and we were exhausted. But he, and then one day I just remember he was like, I have a present for you. And they like <laughs> play on his computer and I was like, Jesus, you got this made? Like I, at first I thought it was like not for our movie until they started saying the lyrics. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. Can uh, I assume that can you get the, the, uh, the soundtrack? Do they, do you have that separately? They, there's a vinyl uh, of both. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, amazing looking vinyls. Um, but uh, no, you can get them. They're for sure out somewhere. I know that they're probably on iTunes or somewhere else. But um, yeah, I, I love those soundtracks. There's, there's both of them. And there's the shooting guns, you know, the instrumental. And then there's obviously like the, uh, the rap song from the first one. Uh, Jingle Punks did a really fun song from the second one that plays in the, the hockey rink. And, and then, of course, there's, like, Gowan, who does, like, a lot of music for both films. So, like, it's one of the coolest parts, I think, of, of these uh, movies is, is the music. Yeah. Uh, was that a real bar that, that you shot, you shoot in the movie in? Or a, real bar? a real bar? Yeah, actually. that's a, So that bar is a bar in Regina. And uh, it's not called The Tooth and Nail, but it, it exists and it's real. And I don't know what it's called now because it changes names, but... Um, and that's actually the bar where we shot that first music video with Leo uh, as the werewolf. So uh, it was important to me that we could get that bar in the, in the first film. And yeah, love it. Did you know like the people who owned it at the time or? Yeah. And thankfully we hadn't burned any bridges or, uh, you know, cause sometimes when you shoot the location, <laughs> right. long or something. Leo didn't destroy too much property. Exactly. I think all he broke was like uh, a coat hanger or something. <laughs> yeah. I forgot. I love uh, when he first turns into a werewolf and he starts to shave, even before it starts to grow back, he clearly is not shaving anything, which I think is very funny. Mm-hmm. He's like shaving over the, fo- the like his five o'clock shadow. And it's probably shooting out of continuity, you know, like we, I would have loved to shave him, but I think it was like, 
he had to be fully shaved five minutes later. So it's like, this is what it is, you know? And I guess it would work in the story anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And then, then you even have the sound that he's shaving and then it's just not doing anything, which to me is just fun. Yeah. Uh, casual cosplay GQ in the chat. Uh, uh, this comes up a lot on our Facebook too. Is Lowell writing just one more wolf cop yet? It deserves a trilogy. Just one more wolf cop. That's a good name. Uh, yeah, no, um, I love that people uh, are talking about a third one. I feel like they say it a lot to me. Uh, and what's crazy to me is like, I thought it would die down and it, hasn't been i don't know if that's because people are seeing it on shutter or amazon or what but um no i mean i i'm not writing a, another one right now but i have like a very kind of clear idea of what i would do for a third one so um i'm definitely not against it i'd love to do another one uh enough time maybe has passed that uh, the pain of the other ones has subsided enough you know like childbirth i imagine i wouldn't know but uh no I you've know. forgotten enough about it now that you could go back it's just the pleasant exactly. memories remain. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just the, the way, honestly, the way that people react is what would make me want to do another one. Because oh, like, yeah. You, it's one thing to do a movie, you kind of honestly, if I'm being honest, you do it selfishly for yourself. You're like, I want to do this thing, and I have this idea, and it'd be really fun. But then when people react to it and take ownership of it, that's when you're like, man, I... As a fan, I almost want to know what would happen, too. So, um, yeah, no, I... I'm not against it. I think the only thing for me would be like, yeah, the, it would, they were really hard. And like, I think you have to do it better uh, and, and slightly bigger. And it has to be maybe if it's a third one closure. So those things would have to be taken into account, but like, yeah, no, I, I and it doesn't hurt when you love the actors. Right? I love them all. Uh, when you're talking, uh, you know, the reaction from it, when did you know that Wolf Cop, Wolf Cop was something like that, you know, had a following and people were into it? Uh, that's a tough question. I mean, people said they liked it early on and I was like, well, okay, fine. But, uh, I think I was, because it was so stupid and silly and in origin, I was like, they're just maybe feeling sorry for us because <laughs> we're a little indie Canadian movie. But I think maybe, I feel like I went to a fan expo in Florida and, uh, like a comic con in North Carolina and they were both kind of in the same, like, two month or three month window. And I remember being like shocked that not only did people know it in the States, but there was like people who wanted me to sign Blu-rays and DVDs. And I was like, gee, this is like, I'm not in Saskatchewan and people know about this. So I think moments like that, or when someone gets a tattoo is when I'm like, okay, this is bigger than Regina. Yeah. And uh, for independent movie, cause you said, you know, it goes on uh, now it's on Amazon and then different streaming sites. Does that take a while, you know, to get the word of mouth out because it's not like a big theatrical release, like, you know, Hollywood movie, it, mm -hmm. you know, people watch it on on demand, DVD, Blu-ray. So it takes a little while, you know, before everyone really sees it. I guess so. Yeah. I guess it's like, it just has to kind of grow organically, but um, I'm shocked that people still talk about it. Like, I'm, I'm not kidding. Like I expect the shelf life of a movie to be like one or two years. And believe me, I've done things where, people don't even know they exist. You know, like, frankly, one of my big disappointments of the sequel is not many, like, people keep asking uh, us to do a sequel, and they're like, you should do a sequel. I'm like, we did. So I don't know if uh, the second one got out there as much, but um, I'm equally as proud of that one, yeah. It, uh, it played up in Boston, I remember, but I have, a, you know, we have a few, like, uh, theaters that would play kind of either art house movies or, or independent film. Mm-hmm. 
Which is, this is a very big art house film, obviously. What? <laughs> that was yeah, saying, like, I love the place in an art house film. Yeah. Well, I, I meant, you know, they find yeah, that well. Stellar Sea of Steven, is Wolf Cop the only monster first responder? That's a good question. Um, in my mind, for sure, he wouldn't be, you know? Like, you'd have to work in uh, all the other classic monsters in some form. You know, I don't know who's an EMT and, uh, you know, who, who is going to be. Uh, <laughs> sure, yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, Mummy would be very slow. Yeah. He'd be, he'd be wrapped up in so much uh, red tape or something, maybe, literally. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, what was filming the, the initial transformation scene like? Really fun um, and really weird, obviously. Um, obviously, because it's a penis, right? And there was like multiple peni, I guess you'd say. But uh, yeah, there was like, there was, it was a weird day. I remember Emerson rolled in with like uh, a little cart and on the cart he had multiple penises and the props guys had like different ways of like, this one could pee and this one could pee blood. And this was the wolf one. And this was the human one that you could burst through. So it was like, it was literally like Emerson had to wear one penis and they had to hold up another one and he had to punch through it. So it was like, it's the kind of thing where like, you definitely on a day like that, you're like, this is the weirdest thing I probably will ever do in my life. <laughs> yeah. I hope not, but it, it felt <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, Now I'm thinking, did he ha- did he make these specifically for the movie or did he just happen to have, like, I actually ha- have <laughs> the, the penis that can pee blood, you know, just in case it ever came. I will have to ask him, but I want to believe that he made them for the film. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to believe he just had them, but... but yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Neil's going with the private collection. Well, in my private stash, I've got always, of, yeah, bees blood, and you know, there were questions about it. Yeah. Uh, Nick Flagstar, kind of uh, on this on that topic, uh, he wants to know if the exploding dick transformation was your idea in the original script, or was it something that came up later? Yeah, no, it was always in there. It was um, it was like one or th- one of like three things that I was like, I won't, you know, like there are. Uh, Oscar winning filmmakers who have like artistic integrity and a few key points of like, I will not make the movie without this. One of my, like, I think three things was like a dick has to explode when he transforms. And uh, that came out of conversations again with Emerson around like the transformation. And when we discussed how it would look and how we could make it memorable and when it became like, it's gotta be a dick. Um, from that point on, it was like, I knew that it was part of the, if the movie was going to succeed, it would need that that shot or that scene. Yeah. Uh, is the is the uh, their event the drink and shoot? Is that inspired by anything? Because it's <laughs> I, I, no, I, not really. It was just like uh, I, I think that was probably like I think Jay Jolly, one of the producers, was like, "You have to have like an over the top festival." I, I think I, I don't even remember if it, it was in the first draft, but as the drafts evolved, it was definitely like you need to have something that feels really Saskatchewan. And uh, so we definitely did a pass or two on the script where it was just trying to like hammer in every small town cliche, you know. Uh, Jonathan Cherry is, is Willie, which I'm glad he's in both movies. Uh, is he somebody you worked with before? No, no. Um, he, he was, that was the first time and he, it was really hard to cast Willie. Uh, we, we looked at a lot of people from all over Canada and, uh, again, going back to the tone of the film, I knew that he was kind of our Doc Brown. He was the character who could say do and do anything. And if he believed it, he was like 
are a cult expert, right? So other people would be playing the movie at like this level of like seriousness, but he needed to be like all over the map. So it was really hard to find the person who could pull that off. And uh, yeah, when I, when I saw Jonathan Cherry, I was like, done, please let him be in the movie. And not only was he good, he loved to improvise. So um, it just, he just killed me every day. He had so many ad libs and a lot of the cast had great ad libs. And so as it happened to be with what happens with his character in the first film, one of my only real conditions for doing a sequel was like, well, I, I can't do it without him, you know, cause he, to me, he's maybe the heart of the first film. And so was he always going to be in the, in the sequel? Yeah. Before, I mean, before I, there was even a script written that was like, you know, like I needed an exploding dick in the first film. I needed Jonathan Cherry back for a sequel. Right. Very good. So two willies in a way. Two willies. Yes. <laughs> it's all about a willie. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, where does the painting come from that's in the in uh, Wolf Cop's house or his apartment in the beginning? It's a really <laughs> this is the art department. The art department, uh, yeah, the, Justin Ludwig and Adrian Traquere, they just found weird stuff and populated it everywhere. And they were, you know, it was definitely the kind of movie where it's like you can do no wrong as long as it's 80s and weird and tacky. So uh, most of the people on the film just ran with that and you know the props department too everybody just was like going really hard to be as weird as possible and i think that's partly why people respond to the movie too it's like because of weird shots like that yeah it's kind of before the big 80s boom uh nostalgia boom kind of you know around this time and until now like you know there's so many 80s uh nostalgic yeah, it become a bit much you know like i at the time i didn't even i was reluctant to even say it was like I don't even know if it's set in the eighties. Like the argument we made at the time was like, it's such a backward Saskatchewan town that for all we know, it is 2014 or 2015, but these people are so outdated and cut off from the rest of the world. Even if we're in the present, they still have dial up internet, you know? Yeah. So that was the fun. of just like, it's not really in your face, which that kind of annoys me when it's just like, here's the Rubik's cube. Here's everything from the eighties, you know, just throwing at you. And mm-hmm. Uh, I actually, you know, until you said that, I didn't even uh, think about what time period is. I know there's no cell phones in it, which to me is a positive. Actually, there is a couple. There is a couple cell phones, but they're flip phones. And I remember at the time, I almost regretted that they were in there. You know, if I could go back, maybe I would change little things like that. And someone has a digital camera at one point. But but again, it was like the, the fun part of that first film was figuring out the rules and being like, I don't really care, but I want to feel outdated. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned, you know, filming the transformation scene. How about filming the sex scene in the first movie? Really fun also. I thought it would be really awkward, but um, it was just really fun. And I think, um, I feel like there's a lot of apprehension. Maybe it was me uh, or for, from other people about like, what's this going to be? And I do remember a few people questioning it, with, which made me feel good about it because people were like, this feels wrong. This feels like it's bestiality. And I was like, trust me, it's going to be romantic. And uh, I said, let's just have a lot of candles on standby. And the second we started, I, it was just trying not to laugh, you know, because it became so, uh, you know, like 80s, uh, skidamax, like slow pans and yeah, that's a good uh, music swells and almost saxophone feeling, right? And, uh, and mist in the air. So I knew that it was like, it could go a lot of ways and I just wanted it to be like absurd. And um, 
yeah, no, the sex scene. And, and then in the second one, we did another sex scene and it was again, like I've never laughed probably as hard in my life as uh, when we were shooting those scenes. I, I think I ruined takes because I would laugh over a moment and they'd have to cut. So yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Uh, how about the sex scene in the sequel? Was it uh, about the same to film? Or? Oh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It was um, it, the second one was probably funnier um, because the first film, everyone was still kind of like, will this work? And I feel like by the second one, we kind of knew to go for it. Right. So we actually even built um, a set for that bedroom just so they could go for it. And um, I, cause I remember we were like scouting locations and, we found a house and we found a bedroom. And I remember one of the producers, Deb Marks was like, we had no money, but she was like, she knew how important that scene was to me. And she's like, we just have to build a bedroom so that whatever happens happens. And then we could like throw things against the wall and it's not all in the scene, but like they had the freedom to be as aggressive as they wanted, you know? And, uh, and also you get really cool angles that you don't really think about when you, you know, watch it maybe the first time, but we have like over the bed shots and stuff. So yeah, it was fun. How much do you film? Because, you know, it's the, if people haven't seen it, I don't know they're watching, but if you haven't seen it, it's you know, done in a montage. So how much do you actually film to cut up to, uh, to make that scene? Oh, God. I don't know. I think I have a very high ratio um, as a director. I think I shoot a lot, but that's just, I think, because I like to experiment. So, and a scene like that would be a perfect example. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be like, I storyboard things, but also, even though I storyboarded that whole scene for sure, I guarantee you, I said, I need a whole morning to shoot this, even though we didn't have the time, just so we could do those things where, you know, like if you know it's the moment that people are going to really laugh at and enjoy in a movie, you don't want to rush through in three shots. You know, I want to say, I want to have five minutes to drip candle wax on your chest. You know, I want to have a couple standby lamps that we can smash on standby. So uh, yeah, um, I, I shoot a lot, but it's also because I like experimenting, I think. So, uh, you know, obviously you're hoping to do a sequel when you do the first one. Did you have any idea what the sequel would be about? No. Um, I I had ideas of what I wanted the sequel to be, and I guarantee you my first drafts are nothing like the movie that ended up happening. Um, it changed so much over the course of a year. Um, I think, like, the producers had certain things they wanted done. I had certain things I wanted done. And then the first one comes out and there's also the audience expectation of like, well, suddenly now I'm seeing what people are reacting to. So I want to like, make sure they're happy. So it became weird of like the first one, I feel like the first Wolf Cop I made just for me, but the sequel, I felt like I had like eight masters that I was serving. So for better and for worse, um, it felt like a very different film to make and uh, you know, good, good and bad. I think it, it probably looks better and feels bigger but um, the first one was definitely more pure to me. Yeah. Is that, as, is that, does that affect the fun of making the movie? If you have, you know, a lot of people to answer to or. or yeah, you... for sure. Um, the first film getting it off the ground was not as fun at all, but making it was maybe more fun than the first one because like the first film, it wasn't technically my first film, but it felt like it. Um, so I, I for sure made way more mistakes in the first film. Like I felt more confident by the second one. Um, and again, I still storyboarded and prepared everything, but I also knew the actors better, you know, like Jonathan Cherry knew what he was like, his, what his willy would be like even better. He knew what people responded to. Amy Maticio was amazing, um, as Tina and yeah, even, you know, like her character got to get a little bit more 
uh, freaky by the second one. And, and Leo, obviously, as Wolf Cop, felt more comfortable in his own skin. So I think this, the experience of shooting the second film was probably more fun. Uh, but everything else from the, uh, the first film was more fun. Yeah. Uh, Yannick, who plays the villain in the second one, is uh, pretty great. Uh, how, how did he come about? Where did you find him? So great. Um, he, I think he was uh, friends with uh, one of our producers, Bill Marks. And we definitely were like having a hard time figuring out who our villain would be. And uh, Bill Marks, like really, I think he pitched like, let's use Yannick. And uh, I only knew Yannick from uh, Murdoch Mysteries, which is like a, a Canadian CBC uh, family friendly detective show. And I remember being like, wow, this is weird. You know, like I, it wasn't against it, but I was like, I don't know, like this character has to be really out there and smarmy. But um, I think Yannick like was excited about the idea of like kind of dirtying up his image. And, and he's got a lot of fans. Like he, we had people on social media. I remember when we cast him and who knew Wolf Cop and knew Murdoch Mysteries, like someone like was tweeting at us, like you better not make Murdoch swear. And then of course, like the first thing he does when he's on camera is like drop a few F-bombs. So uh, yeah. No, I loved working with Yannick and, and not just because, you know, he was playing such a fun villain, but he also got into the improv and he's also such a, like a consummate pro, which on an indie film is so important because uh, you don't have time to screw up. You know what I mean? Like you, if something goes wrong, if a gag goes wrong, if a person forgets their lines, it comes out of somewhere, you know, it's not just like, Oh, let's have fun and relax. It's like um, indie film is like a freight train and, Yannick was always like he had like huge chunks of dialogue and he hit his mark every time. Um, you mentioned, you know, this uh, Wolf Cop's not your first feature and uh, Three Eerie, I believe, is your first feature. Yeah, 13 Eerie. It's a, it's a horror film, too. It's a zombie film. And uh, yeah, that was my, my technical first film. But I have a hard time considering it my first film because I was just like literally thrown into the last minute. Um, it was another uh, director was going to make it and uh, they had like some funding issues fall out and I was working on the film, but they knew I was an aspiring director. So literally two weeks before production, I, uh, they asked me to direct it. So I was thrown in, everyone was already cast, locations were picked, uh, costumes were made. So it was more like the overseeing. And to me, when I think of directing, it's more like, that's important, but that's almost more like TV directing. You know what I mean? Like I, I didn't shape the look and feel of everything and cast everyone which is in the world of indie film, I think half the work. Yeah. Plus I, you know, I noticed that you didn't uh, write it. I don't know. How different is that to direct something that you've written as opposed to something someone else has written? It's weird. Um, I prefer to direct things I've written because um, when you write, you figure everything out. So when an actor comes to me and has a question I've imagined every possible scenario when I've written it, you know, like, it's not like I just write the first draft and whatever happens is great. I really think about everything everyone's doing. So when a character says, why the hell would I go in this room when this is happening? I know immediately. You can say like, you did this because of this and that, that, that. Uh, but when I don't write it, I have to kind of put myself in that mindset. And, and there have been times where an actor says, why am I doing this? And I'm like, I honestly don't know. <laughs> Let's figure it out together, right? Oh, yeah. uh, so it is, it's also really exciting. I think I'm, I'm weirdly more protective of the script when I didn't write it. When I've written it, um, 
I'm very quick to throw out words and dialogue. And if an actor says like, I don't love this line, I'm like, it's garbage, change it. You know? Right. Yeah. yeah Cause I would assume, you know, like you're saying that cause you're, otherwise you'd be rewriting or reworking someone else's, you know, work. As yeah. Opposed, this is my own thing. So it doesn't affect anybody but me if I change it. And it's hard, you know, like it's, it is hard. You do when you take a movie, you have to make it yours as a director. So you do often have to like tweak things, but um no, I think like I love doing, I love being a director for hire, but um, I also, if, if I can only do one, I want to direct things I write because it's also what I'm getting to say things that I want to say about the world. And even in a Wolfcom film, you know, there's going to be subtext and weird opinions about life and society and uh, living in Saskatchewan, stuff like that. Now um, you mentioned, you know, doing music videos. Did you do shorts or anything before doing a feature like short films? Yeah, I did about, um, I graduated from university for film in like 2002. Uh, and for about a decade after that, I only did short films just because no one would hire me. You know, a movie is like, I often wish I had done like that 10000 or or $100,000 uh, indie film because that's to me where you really like make your, make your bones as a filmmaker. But um, no, I just did short films. I did a lot of short films and I experimented and played around with different genres and learned a lot. But what you learn in short films versus features is night and day. Like features are so hard um, that it's like, I would compare it to like being like a, a marathon runner versus like a sprinter, you know, like when you actually get into a feature, the amount of complexities and relationships and days and problems that you're juggling, like you may have a problem that you don't solve for a week. And that like my, that hurts my brain when I have that, <laughs> you know, I need everything solved right away. I'm like a task oriented person. So when someone's like, we'll deal with that in a week and a week later, you're like, Oh God, is that still not solved? So like big pieces of the puzzle. Uh, what kind of shorts did you do? Were they horror? Or? Uh, a little of everything. I did uh, zombie short films. I did cop short films. Um, I did weird Christmas short films. Uh, superhero short films, all horrible, you know, stuff I'll never show anybody. But uh, that was the next one. I was asking if you could see them anywhere, but yeah, not really. I try to keep them off. <laughs> He's hiding uh, them away somewhere. Uh, I mean, I occasionally like, I think like I've screened a few at like short film festivals or um, for friends, or sometimes I think we once screened like one of them in front of Wolf Cop at a local screening, but they're not like horrible, horrible, but I'm also, I don't need every piece of garbage that I've done out there. I understand. I understand. Yeah. Uh, how about that experience doing the festivals? Did that help uh, maybe meet people who you worked on Wolf Cop? Uh, not really. I mean, I, I tried to like in the short film times, I was still very new as a filmmaker. So it's like going to high school, right? Like I was very, I just didn't want anyone to look at me or notice me. And I hope they had the right reaction to the film. Uh, but as I've grown a little bit as a filmmaker and, and, more so with features like going to festivals with Wolf Cop and stuff. I've tried to be a little bit more gregarious and meet people and talk about the projects and uh, try and make friends because I do realize more than ever uh, making indie films is like it takes an army and it's all relationships. So um, you can only get so far unless you're uh, being a nice person and and kind of like letting people into the, the conversation. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've done a, a short film that played festivals and got involved oh, yeah. in features, but for me, that's worked out well. Uh, 
How, how, was, how did you find the festival circuit, for sure? I, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the festival circuit. But I, I originally went to them as, uh, as press, and then I yeah. uh, got to know people. And uh, then uh, the filmmakers uh, did a short film with me. I'm the star of the short film. or whatever. I don't know how to – because it's a quote-unquote documentary about me. Oh, okay. That's uh, fun. Yes, it's very fun. I'll, I'll send you a link if you want to watch it. It's on Yeah, your- send it. And then from there, I did uh, two features with those filmmakers, which have not been released because it was right before uh, everything closed down last year. Yeah, it's a tough time, you know? Like, I have so many things I'm trying to get going. And it's like, there are some days where you're just like, I guess I just watch TV today because, <laughs> you know, there's nothing that can happen. So um, it's really hard, definitely, uh, to get momentum. But uh, I don't know. I'm feeling a little bit more optimistic in the last few days. Honestly, what you said earlier about, uh, you know, you forget about the uh, the pain. And this was much smaller budget and everything. The fe- But it produced the feature last February. And I, afterwards, I was like, I'm never doing this again. This is this was yeah. terrible. But and then like, you know, months go by or a year go by. It's like, wow, I would really like to make another movie. So uh, I could see I how time went by and you look at it differently. It's such a harsh mistress. You know, like film is like, it's, it's so unforgiving. And even when people say this one's going to be easy, every single one is hard. So if you don't like the people you're working with, or you don't like the material, you're asking for trouble because you are going to be tested. You know, there's going to come that point like a month in or two months in or a year in where you're like, I want to quit this even on the ones you like. So God, yeah, it's uh you why do why does anybody do this <laughs> that's what my friend michael who i did uh michael and sophia he always tells me making making movies is a terrible idea but it he, is. that's what he does but, but it's advice you know i honestly compare it to advice because like i wish i could quit film i really do like i'm not lying i would love to do something else but i am obsessed with it what what were the movies? I know I, I mentioned the movies that you you said inspired Wolf Cop, but what are some of the movies that inspired you to even want to become a filmmaker? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think uh, pretty early uh, in my childhood, it would be those movies that like got me interested in like just the idea of a different reality. You know what I mean? Like of you know the rules of like being a human in the world, and then you watch like Superman. You know, Christopher Reeve Superman had a huge impact on me because. I was like, wait, I, what if I could fly, you know? And then you like daydream all day about like not walking everywhere and how fun that would be. So um, I think Superman, Back to the Future, uh, American Werewolf, uh, Die Hard was a huge, huge one for me. Basically, it was like increments of like different versions of heroes until they slightly became more realistic, you know, like Superman. And then at the end, it was like John McClane, just like an exhausted guy shooting a machine gun. Yeah. Yeah. I still think the first two Superman films are the best uh, version, best Superman movies. No, I agree completely. I, I I think like that is that feels like pretty much the rule. And uh, until yeah. someone comes along with the right tone, with the right budget, uh, they're not going to get it. You know, like that. I would kill to do a Superman film. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, weird tie-in. Talk about Superman movies because. He- he never got to make his Superman movie, but Kevin Smith is, uh, I'm bringing this all back to Wolf Cop, had a, has a cool, I would say cameo, but it's really more than a cameo in, in another Wolf Cop. How did that come about? Was he just a fan of Wolf Cop, or did you ask him? Or? Well, here's the thing. He, he has a project in development that he's been trying to get made for a while now called Moose Jaws. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of that one. 
Moose Jaw, though, is actually a town in Saskatchewan. So he was scouting and he wanted to see if he could make it work in the actual town, uh, which is where we were doing Wolf Cop. And uh, our producers got wind that he was uh, exploring that option and they had a conversation and I don't know how they did it, but yeah, he, it was, you know, again, talking about how chaotic these films are. We had the role of the mayor uncast while we're shooting. We're already like, we talked about ideas and cameos and who were maybe some celebrities who could be it, but that the movie was happening. You know, like we were like three days away from shooting that scene and we didn't have a mayor and we didn't know who the mayor would be. And then uh, I think it was Jay Jolly, like one of the producers came up to me on set one day and said like, Kevin Smith will be the mayor and he'll be here tomorrow. You know? And I was like, yeah, right. But then sure enough, the next day he shows up and they're like, Oh, you've got him for six hours. And I had like 12 pages to shoot. So uh, I'm amazed we got through it. But again, you know, like I talked about uh, Yannick being so prepared with dialogue, Kevin Smith, not only was he really great at memorization and like doing all the dialogue and the gags, he, of course, being a writer much better than me, was like, hey, do you want a couple tweaks here and there and like change anything you want? So he just added a bunch of jokes and ad lived off the cuff stuff and uh, yeah, really brought it up. Uh, GQ in the chat, uh, what was it like to direct Kevin Smith? This will be uh, great. And I'll tell you why. Um, I was obviously nervous. Um, you're nervous anytime you're meeting anybody new. Uh, but he is so good that he knew to the second he met me. Uh, I think the first thing he said was, you're the director. Nice to meet you. I will do anything you need. I will say anything you need. Uh, how can I help you today? And that right there, like, you know, if he, he could have been an asshole. He could have scared the shit out of me. He could have used whatever swagger, but, uh, he, him saying that right off the top made me feel so at ease. And then uh, we just started the conversation. He's like, tell me about this guy who I'm playing. Like what, just tell me his personality and what you'd love to, to see. So we bounced ideas around for a bit while they were lighting. And then you got in there and you'd be like, well, what if I try this or what if I try that? So yeah, no, he, he was like my favorite. And I, I think that comes out of being a director. He was, yeah, was my favorite kind of actor. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Cause you know, everyone's a Kevin Smith fan. It's good to know he wasn't, you know, a dick or anything. No, not at all. Yeah, he was like, if, if we could have had him for another week, I would have been the happiest boy on the set. <laughs> and uh, one of my favorite uh, people uh, is a, has a smaller role in the movie, Adam Brooks, uh, from um, from the Astron 6 movies. And I was really happy uh, to see him in, in another yeah, movie. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Uh, did you know him uh, before the movie, or how, how did he get involved? No, just, uh, just a fan of Astron 6, you know, and uh, Emerson... Uh, Ziffel did some uh, makeup effects uh, on the editor. So he got to know them. Um, that way. And then we, yeah. And then we just like, we exchanged a few emails back and forth uh, more with Matt uh, Kennedy, just like talking about like making indie films. And then as a joke, he's like, are you going to make another Wolf Cop? And I, I said like, yeah, I think we might. And he's like, well, what's my role in it? And uh, then I, it, it was just like a joke, but at, at a certain point, like we, as we're breaking down the script, we knew there was going to be this opening scene with these henchmen and, at one point, someone said, like, well, what, what are their names? I was like, oh, man, there's, like, three or four here. I wonder if we could get uh, all of Astron 6. So I reached out, and, uh, you know, it, it's the kind of role. They're, they're so much better than that role, and I, I, I wish we could have given them something more fun to chew on. But the die was cast. This was the movie. And uh, so just getting them, uh, you know, Connor and, and Matt, and, uh, yeah, just saying also to just – 
do whatever and improvise. And again, you know, that the exact same kind of attitude as Kevin Smith, where it's just like, uh, what do you guys want to do? How do you want to do it? And uh, we had a lot to do that day. Like it was insane. I think we shot that whole chase in a day, uh, but we still found time to like make up weird stuff. Yeah. Uh, Astron six people who haven't seen the movies. I highly recommend them. Uh, editor and, uh, yeah. Editors. It's kind of a, there's a different, a man Borg I really like. And it's a, uh, I love the editor. It's so weird. It's so yeah. weird. Yeah. It's it, editor. Um, uh, is it father's day? I don't know. Either one's probably my favorite. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was the same effects team in another wolf cop. Yeah. Bigger, bigger effects team. Uh, on the first film, it was like Emerson, and I think he had a, an assistant or two, uh, and he had like a, a spreadsheet of what he was doing. But by the time we did the sequel, I don't know what percentage of our budget went to makeup effects, but it was insane. Like they had a whole wall uh, that was like line items of every character and every effect and every gag. And I don't think we go a scene in that movie without some kind of gag. Yeah, I like the the addition of aliens in in the in the sequel. You already have you know werewolves and shapeshifters that see bringing aliens. Yeah, well, you know, you, every time you do it, you gotta add a little layer. Yeah, and I also like that the you get a lot of use out of the the face skin. It makes it it's a couple times in the first movie, then when it pops up in the in the second movie. Yeah, I uh, any I love people ripping their own face off. I don't know why it's just so fun to look at. So yeah. I yeah. can't Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Yeah, I, I like people pulling their own skin off too. It's like, you know, I'd love in to movie. see movies. In movies, in movies, in movies, just in cinema. Yeah. Yeah. That or always, in real life. It's okay. <laughs> this is being recorded, right? So <laughs> right. We don't know who's watching this. But that always freaked me out in Poltergeist, the scene where he's washing his face and ripping it off. I know. That's stuck with me to this day. Yeah, and not to be like a, a tough guy or nothing, but I watch horror movies my whole life, so not too many things like really got to me. But that's actually one thing that did. Yeah, me too. That me too. Toys for some reason, anything with like little uh, monster toys or something. I think because I had a lot of action figures. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Um, most people are asking about a third Wolf Cop, but how was uh, the second Wolf Cop? Wolf Cop. How was that? Uh, how did the, the fans of the first one take to the second one? I think, I think well, uh, again, like I said, like I feel like we worked so hard to make the second one fun and, uh, you know, really please everybody and, and all the people in the first film um, that it's just like it's a really crazy romp. But again, I don't think, you know, I don't know what happened with like uh, we didn't have any marketing budget whatsoever. So you know, that was hard, but. Um, the distribution just didn't go anywhere. Like people, like I said, it's crazy to this day. People ask me, are you going to make another, like a sequel to Wolf Cop? And I was like, there is one out there, you know? So um, for whatever reason, yeah, people have, haven't really been finding it. They are now, I think, but um, it's not as easily accessible as the first film. You know, everybody knows the first one exists. So, um, but that said, I think the people who have seen the second one, I think they mostly like it. You know, maybe some people think it's too dumb. Uh, it certainly gets dumb and weird, but I mean, the first film was really building to it, you know, and um, we've done a few double feature screenings and I think it plays really well because it's like, well, first off, they're really short movies and together they're barely the length of like, you know. I'm glad you actually said that because I, I uh, going to the film festivals and stuff, I think uh, this kind of movie 
And I don't mean that in a negative way. Uh, I like these kind of movies. Uh, they, they, they're better when they're about 80 minutes. They don't need to be. Well, yeah, here's the thing. We don't have like, you know, we know what we are. We know we're like not a huge budget movie. So um, when you're doing a low budget movie, get in and get out. You know what I mean? Like, especially a movie like this, like this isn't like a heavy dark drama that needs to explore the psyche of this, that, and the other thing. Like this is like a fun roller coaster, ridiculous, gory superhero movie. So when you're doing that, you know, we don't have the budget for a third act Marvel film where everybody fights everybody. So let's just do what we can and cut out the crap. Right. So. I, I, I agree. It works. Cause I've seen a lot of movies I really like, but they go on too long and you just don't like them as well. Yeah. No, I wish they were longer, but we just didn't have the time or the budget to make them longer. You know? Uh, Ty Chi. Oh, I know Ty Chiman, who I, I actually know him from, uh, Buffalo underground, um, Buffalo fantastic film festival. It's a very long name, but, but he's an independent filmmaker. He wants to know, I remember seeing the ad for this on the Toronto fan expo, 2013 booklet. What was the pitch meeting like for Wolf Cop? Uh, that, well, there was more than a meeting. We actually entered a contest. Uh, there's a thing called the Syndicate Accelerator in Canada, and um, they were putting on a cross Canada, uh, I guess, contest where anybody could enter their trailer and their script, and uh, people would vote on it online, and then you'd have to go and like pitch it to executives uh, at, at like this television festival. And um, so we had to like work for three months, myself and our team, to try and get people to uh, vote for our film. And the reason we really wanted to get in is because they promised us a Canadian theatrical release. So uh, that's why we really wanted to partner with them. Like we were pretty committed to making the movie, even if it was like 50 grand and just a bunch of us in a, in a basement, but we knew this would be a better shot. So um, we kind of went all in on it and uh, killed ourselves to get it out there. And um yeah luckily we were selected and it, it, and it played well and uh and from that point on yeah but it, no it was like three months of pitching and saying like make this movie this is the movie and being a canadian kind of uh competition we didn't think we'd get chosen because canada you know i mean it makes cronenberg style movies and weird stuff too but i don't think we, your first thought when you think of canada is like absurd canadian cinema is absurd stuff like wolf cop so uh, what have you been working on this last year? It's a weird year for everybody. It's uh, the weirdest, worst year ever. Um, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm writing a lot. I'm, I've got, I'm, I'm thinking about TV a lot more now. So I've, I've got like a couple TV projects that I, I'm in the, you know, brainstorming slash trying to pitch phase where I've got pilot scripts ready and lookbooks and I'm pitching them and, uh, it's all in the kind of genre weird space, right? So I've got a little bit of traction on a couple of those. Um, I've also written a couple horror films and uh, I'm working on a comic book too. I'm doing a, a comic book about like a bunch of weird superheroes. This character on my chest is one of them. Uh, is a character named Cowboy. He later grows up to be like a Batman style character, but he's a cow. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, lots of weird stuff like that. And uh just dying for this pandemic to open up so I can actually get out there and, and make these films. Mm-hmm. I, I got my first vaccine yesterday. So hopefully, you know, thank you for- lucky so-and-so. Yeah. I'm very eager uh, to get, to get it. So uh, I can, uh, you know, start talking to people again. So I think next week, any side effects, how are you feeling? 
I f- I feel uh, totally fine. Fair. I got sleepy last night, but it could have just been because I got up early. Um, <laughs> I, I get my second shot tomorrow, and my first one was fine and dandy too. Amazing. Yeah, yeah our mom bet. got both of hers, and um, she felt fine too. Her arm was sore for a day or so, but besides that, like no, like anything. Yeah, I, I, it was worse for me with the flu shot. Actually, you know, I was wow. more sore and stiff. Well, good. That's awesome, you guys. Like Canada's yep. a little slower, a little on the rollout. So uh, I'm uh, excited to get it. It'll be worth the wait, though. Good. Yeah, can't wait. And I just want to mention real quick when you said about TV, that's come up a couple times with um, independent filmmakers. I know they suggested uh, television series because they said of the rise of uh, the streaming sites that they need so much content that you know uh, that series yeah. is the way to go for a lot of things. I mean, also, it's like at a certain point, like even when we did Wolf Cop and another Wolf Cop, and I knew that I got to go from one film to another, it's still such a slog making independent film. You know what I mean? Like it's at a certain point, you realize I'm putting myself out of work every six months. You know, even if you do good, like usually most people get a job and if they do good, they have career advancement. But like an indie film, there's no rules. You know what I mean? Like, even if you do a good movie, things could ebb and flow and people could not want your next project. And then suddenly you go six months without a job. So uh, it's, you still, you know, it doesn't pay that great to be an independent filmmaker. Um, Where can people follow you or or Wolf Cop online to see what, uh, what you're up to? Um, Pretty easy to find uh, on uh, Twitter and Instagram and stuff. Uh, I'm Lolo film. L O L O F I L M is my handle. Um, it's kind of my company since I was like 12 years old and Wolf Cop is equally easy to find. Just look for Wolf Cop, the movie, uh, pretty much anywhere. And I'm sure it'll pop up. Cool. Well, I'm looking forward to, uh, see what you work on next. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Neil, this was really fun. To, uh, uh, chat for a bit. Human interaction. <laughs> yeah, you kind of forgot what that's yeah. like. Yeah, yeah. We had this yeah audio sure. show for years, but then uh, last year during the pandemic, we st- I didn't even know what Zoom was, and then uh, we started doing this one. Uh, Me too. Like I did a lot of Zooms when this started, and then I was kind of like, okay, I think I'm ready to take a break from humans. <laughs> but uh, a few <laughs> Zooms, you know, every every month is is nice. Yeah, this has been great. It was really fun. It'd be cool to do it some. Yeah, we wish all the best. Good luck with everything. Yeah. Thanks, guys. One last question. Do, do you have a Dark Stars uh, hockey jersey? I don't. Uh, isn't that crazy? Yes. I, I, I never think to collect those awesome things. Uh, the only thing I have from Wolf Cop is I have the occult book from the first film. You know, like I, like when they made that, like Jay Robertson, the props master put that together and I was like, I'm keeping this book. Uh, and I have little things like obviously a poster and an action figure, yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah, no, I oh, just, have a jersey. I've been trying to figure out what that was up there, but now I see. I'll show you. Uh, now Neil's got en- envy now on the action thing. Oh, that's awesome. Actually. Oh, yeah. that's great. Yeah. yeah Anderson Ziffel designed it and, uh, from scratch and he's got uh, bourbon and beer and a gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, sure obviously to keep one of those, like yeah. you, I needed to have at least one of those. Yeah. yeah. All right. Very good. What kind of beer does he have the chicken milk beer? Or is he got... No, this is from the first film. He would, if it was a sequel, but he has Brask, which is a made up brand by uh, Justin Ludwig, the uh, art director. All right. Very cool. All right. 
we'll, we'll talk to you again sometime. This has been great. Yeah, thanks for yeah. everything. Yep. Thanks, thanks, guys. Uh, enjoy the werewolf conversations. <laughs> <laughs> Will do. Yeah. Good night. Good night. All right. So we'll, we'll be back next week, Troy. All right. We will see everyone then. With D. Wallace. Nice. That'll and the treacherous tremendous. Trista will be returning, I believe, next Hoorah. week. Hoorah. We miss her some Trista. Yes. So uh, until next week, this is Nasty Neal. This is Terrible Troy. And this is without your head. from ancient terrors to the search for modern day conspiracies the tomb of nick cage is the new sound in horror rock uncover the mystery of old world horror for the new world order on itunes amazon and more The tomb of Nick Cage. They're coming tonight! Hopefully! They're coming tonight! Hopefully! They're coming tonight! Hopefully! They're coming tonight! Hopefully! Find out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The tomb of Nick Cage. They're coming tonight!